are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. This morning, we're going to continue our study in the book of Luke. We'll be in chapter 8. If you would turn to verse 19, as we'll be reading verses 19 through 21. To begin our lesson. The title of our lesson this morning is Jesus is in control. If you want to follow along on the notes, you can get your, uh, your tablet or your phone out and on the U version under events, you can follow along with some of the notes. For those who are online watching this morning, we're glad that you're able to be here with us and hope that very soon we'll get all our family members back here together in this building. Verse 19, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. And Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. A lot of people are unnerved when they read this. They don't understand. And it's a shock to them how Jesus responded. There's so much emphasis placed by certain groups on Mary. And yet Jesus doesn't give her the same uh, reverence as some do in this case. It's not that he didn't love his mother. He's making a point here. As a matter of fact, if you read in John chapter 7, verse 5, you read that his own brothers didn't even believe in him. And in Mark chapter 3, and verse 21, it says this, When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away because they said he is out of his mind. Well, if you ever have looked at those passages, that's how some of his own family, his brothers, thought about him. And when he was on the cross, his life extinguishing, he looked to John to say, John, here's your mother. That wasn't Jesus' physical brother. So the point Jesus is making here, it may seem to be a startling statement, but he's placing higher emphasis on the spiritual family than it is on physical family. Jesus came to this world on a mission. He happened to be a part of a physical family. That's how things had to be. But his mission was to create and establish the forever family. The forever family is a family that reaches beyond blood kin, as we say, but it reaches together because of the blood of Jesus. This forever family is we're united through the blood of Jesus as children of God, brothers and sisters to Christ, last for eternity. And, there, and that's a difficult concept for those who don't understand this concept, that we are God's children, brothers and sisters for eternity. There, there are people I'm closer to in the church than I am my extended family. Because the relationship we have a commonness we have through Jesus that I don't always share with everyone in an extended family. 
we're very blessed that our children, Susan and I, are, we have four children that are all believers. Very blessed that we can share eternity with our kids. But see, the, this, this particular subject is difficult to understand until you accept Christ and accept Him fully. Now, as we go through this chapter, this sets the stage for what's coming up. Verses 22 through 25 is the story of Jesus calming the storm. And most people who go to church are very familiar with the story, but as we look at the story, let's pick out some particulars to drive home on what he's teaching. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side of the lake. Remember that, remember that particular phrase. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and they started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm, storm came across, came down on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Then Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked, where is your faith? And the disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. He gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. What struck me about this reaction by the disciples, they'd been with him and seen him heal people. And perform miracles, and yet they make the statement, Who is this man? We'll give some background information about this particular story. This happens on the Sea of Galilee. And several years ago, a boat was retrieved from the bottom of this lake. And it is the boat was 26 and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide. This wasn't a John boat, it was a pretty good sized boat. And the thing about the Sea of Galilee to know is that the elevation of the Sea of Galilee is 686 feet below the Mediterranean Sea level. So it sits down in kind of a canyon. The lake is 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. So what's important about this, the Bible says the storm came down on the lake. It's not that far from the Mediterranean Sea, a few miles. So as the winds come off the Great Sea... It'll go down onto this lake, and it's they swirl. They're, they're, the winds are captured within this bowl. So it creates a fierce storm, and it comes up out of nowhere. And as these waves were huge waves that were created by this storm, they're coming over into the boat. And so these seasoned fishermen, who were in the boat with Jesus, who had been on this lake their entire lives, they were scared for their lives because of the amount of water that was going in the boat. How could Jesus be sleeping during this? But he's sleeping. Water surely had to be hitting him. And these guys were, were shouting and crying and carrying on. But here's what had happened. Jesus stood up and he... As many pastors say, it said, he says, 
peace be still. But here he tells the wind and the storm to be calm. You know what happened? The water immediately was calm. That's not possible. Unless God does it. You can't just stop the waves. Waves, can they're going to linger. They're going to have to settle down. Yet Jesus said, be still. And it was immediately calm. The Jesus healing people of their affirmities and casting out demons and doing all the things he had done to this point hadn't reached these men like common the sea did because it hit home to them. It was a personal experience that they had been on the water all their lives and all of a sudden this calmness comes across the water that's not possible and they're saying, who is this guy? Who is this man? And they've been spending all these days and nights with him and yet they still didn't figure him out or know who he is. It took this to reach these guys. It blew their minds. You know, Jesus said this about himself in Matthew 12, verses 40 through 41. When we talk about storms, we think about the storm that Jonah was in, and we think about this storm. When we're talking about storms in the Bible, and possibly thinking about Paul being in a storm. But here he says, for Jesus says this, for as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And the people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Noah is here, but you refuse to repent. See, Jonah ended up in a storm because of his disobedience. The disciples got into the storm because of their obedience. Jesus told them to get in the boat, and they got in the boat. But Jesus is making the point in Matthew, he is greater than Noah. And people had received his, excuse me, Jonah, and received his message, and yet his own people, his own brothers wouldn't receive his message. So Jesus' reaction to the disciples, when he, in verse 25, he says, Then he asked them, after he calmed the sea, where is your faith? Where is your faith? There are three, three reasons why Jesus said, where is your faith? Why he asked this question. The first reason, he made them a promise. He made a promise and they weren't listening. He said in verse 22, let us cross to the other side of the lake. And they woke him up because they were fearful of their lives. That doesn't seem unreasonable to me. But there's a point to be made here. Jesus is making the point, I told you we're going to the other side. I told you we were going to the other side. Not that we might go to the other side, or it might, we it could, if he get over there. He says we're going to the other side. And they woke him up because they thought they were going to die. They were panicking. They were scre- screaming. 
Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we studied in this same chapter, Luke 8, verse 5, and Jesus called out, anyone who has ears should listen and understand. Anyone who has ears should listen and understand. Jesus told them where they were going and what was going, they were going to the other side. And yet, what we get from this is listen to the promises of Jesus and believe in them. We're going to the other side. That's a promise. And you take hold of this promise and you don't let go of it. Their unbelief was not that they were afraid. Their unbelief was the fact they didn't believe they were going to make it to the other side. We're very much the same ways. When storms come in life, we panic. We panic because we lose focus of the promise. Jesus said, I'll be with you. You will make it to the other side. The second point, the second reason brought out here in this passage, his presence. He was with them in the boat. He was with them in the boat. And they're losing their minds. They're, they've forgotten the promise that we're going to the other side. Jesus is in your boat. You're not alone. And Jesus has promised He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And when He gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey. And the third reason they should believe was His peace. He was sleeping in the boat during a storm. He wasn't worried about it. Why should they be worried? If He's able to sleep during a storm, that's a good indicator He had all things under control. He said, I got this. I told you we were going to the other side. So we're to enjoy the peace that he's in the boat with us. And that no matter the severity of the storm, no matter how big the waves are beating against the side of the boat, you're going to make it to the other side. How do I know that? Because Jesus promised it. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Hebrew writer says this, For he himself has said, I will never desert you. I will never abandon you. Jesus said, I will never desert you and I will never abandon you. Stay in the boat. Because Jesus is in your boat. When we panic, and we get scared and we jump out of the boat, all we've done is get into more problems. Jesus says, you stay in my boat and I'm going to get you to the other side. Now this, this story was there for this reason to teach us these things. And it also tells us that Jesus was in control. He has control over the elements of this world. And now we'll see in verses 26 through 33 that he has control over the spiritual realm, the spiritual world. Look in verse 26. 
So they arrived in the region of Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. They did make it to the other side, as he promised them they would. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came to meet him. And for a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside of the town. And as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him, and the spirit had all taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. And Jesus demanded, What is your name? He demanded. Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. And the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. Some verses say the abyss. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave their permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and were drowned. This is the most detailed description we have of a demon-possessed person that's written in the Bible. He had been demon-possessed for a long time. He had completely taken his life over. He wore no clothes. He lived like a wild animal, and he lived amongst the tombs where the dead were buried. He had supernatural strength. And then in Mark 5, the story, the same story, Mark's rendering tells us that the man was tormented in self-destruction, self-destructive. He was cutting himself with stones in uncontrollable behavior. So when Jesus demanded out of this man, what is your name? And he replied, Legion. It's, it's easier to understand the times in which they were living by understanding that the Romans had occupied this part of the world for many years. And the Roman legion was a part of the Roman army. And a legion consisted of over 6,000 foot soldiers and 120 horse soldiers. It's a very well organized army. And we get the picture that this army of Satan was possessing this man, and it was a highly organized level of evil spirits. When he said legion, he said many. There were many. So the reaction of the demons when they saw Jesus, he hadn't had to say a word, but they recognized who he was immediately. And the, the man runs and falls down in front of him, and he begins to cry out, don't torment me. See, the, the demons did not want Jesus to cast them to the abyss, the bottomless pit. This term, abyss or bottomless pit, appears seven times in the book of Revelation. And according to this scripture, it's a place where certain demons are incarcerated. And God had put them there according to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And these demons begged not to be sent there. For them not to be sent there and incarcerated, it's the worst of the worst. 
And these demons acknowledged who Jesus was. They recognized his authority and they recognized that he was the son of the most high. They recognized his deity. And they acknowledged the existence of God and they acknowledged the power that Jesus had over them. They said, don't torment us. Don't send us to the bottomless pit. They're recognizing who he is, what he can do, and how he can do it. And yet his own brothers didn't recognize him. And yet people today still don't acknowledge the Son of the Most High. But the devils in hell know who he is. And they recognize that he exists and they recognize the power of God. But believing that God exists and believing who Jesus is and believing he has power is not saving faith. You can acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and have no faith with it. See, these devils were cast out of heaven because of their rebellion. There is no redemption. None for them. But the reason Jesus came is to give humans redemption. You see, how do we doubt the power of Jesus when even the devils of hell acknowledge who he is and the power he possesses? How do we doubt his power? How do we doubt his ability? How do we doubt his control? We do it just about every time crisis comes in our life. We're like the guys in the boat. We start screaming to God to help me, help me. I'm dying here. I'm losing my mind. I'm losing control. And he said, yeah, you, you, you are. Yes, you are. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? We're not promised anything in this life except it will end. And if we are faithful to Him and we're in His boat, He's going to carry us to the other side. It takes more than acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of the Most High. It takes faith. It takes saving faith. Romans chapter 10. And I want you to, before we read Romans 10, if you were to read on through the passage here of, of Luke 8, and you get from 33 to 39, when Jesus had done this, He had cast the demons out into the pigs, or allowed them to, to enter the pigs. You know what the reaction of the people of the community was? Leave! Get out of here! They had witnessed this man being demon-possessed and living this way for years, and yet when Jesus shows up and he cast these demons out, he has shown his power. You know what the, the people did? They responded and said, get out of here. We don't want you here. That's pretty amazing in itself. God, show me a sign, people say. I have. 
I need to see something of you. I show you every day. Believe in the power, in the ability, in the purpose of Jesus Christ. He holds within His hand the power over the elements of the earth. The wind, the water, fire, the earth. He controls it all. He has power over the spiritual world. He can condemn the demons. They shudder at the name of Jesus. He has all the power in the universe. And yet when times get hard, we cry and we wail and we doubt God's ability to deliver because our faith is weak. He said, how do you create faith? How do you get more faithful? God creates that faith within you when you commune with Him, when you talk with Him, and when you study His Word, and you immense yourself in that Jesus Christ is my King. Above everything. Now do you understand what Jesus was saying as you open the chapter? My family. My family, are those, Jesus said, are those who obey the Word of God. When I get to the point where I make Jesus the center of my life, the King of my life, is saving faith. If you openly declare, Romans 10, verse 9, <clears throat> if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. He has the power to save. He has the power on this earth and in the spiritual realm. Jesus is in control. And only Jesus can save you. We make the choice to let Jesus be in our boat. We make that choice. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. There's so much that we could study more about in Luke 8. But taking these three instances and time together was the purpose of this morning. Jesus is in control because He has that power. Jesus saves you because He has that power. He can deliver you through this life when trials and the storms come, they come upon you. And we all know about storms, don't we? They can be, some are a lot bigger than others. But when the, the waves beat on our boat and try to drown us underneath it, I remember this, Jesus is the one who brings the calm. Jesus is the one who's going to say, peace be still. I got this. I'm in control. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. 
Hebrews 13, verse 5. Again, I can't emphasize it enough. You need to write this, underline this in your Bible or write it down somewhere and memorize this passage. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. He will never desert you. He'll never abandon you. If anyone does the abandoning and deserting, it's going to be you. It won't be him. Stay in the boat. He promised to carry us to the other side. Doubt is a tool of the enemy. Confusion is a tool of the enemy. Trust in him. As the worship team plays and sings this next song, I want to, if you're ready to give it up and let Jesus be in your boat. Come down front. The elders will pray with you. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life and quit playing this game a tag, it's time to stop. He wants you in His forever family. For forever. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship Audio Podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.